Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, March 28th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kirmani, and after a couple of weeks off, either he was busy with school, down with the sickness, or whatever it is, but he left me high and dry for a couple of weeks, but my guy is back. Ramiz joins me on this podcast, and for those celebrating around the world, you know, Ramadan Mubarak to them. I know both uh, Ramiz and I have been uh, fasting all day, but still getting our uh, takes in and our and our points in. But uh, how's your day been going? You feeling thirsty? You feeling refreshed now? How, how are things? Yeah, I'm feeling good. You know, I just had uh, a lot of water after the sunset, of course. Uh, yeah, just ready to go into the six-game slate. Awesome. Well, yeah, the six-game slate, it, it seems to be... A uh, kind of ongoing thing, Tuesdays just like being six games as of late. And uh, for those who have been in season-long leagues, I know you guys are probably in your playoffs right now. I was just telling Ramiz off-air. You know, I've been in a couple of playoffs, and my long-standing running league, which is in its 12th season, just uh, finished off its playoffs this last Sunday. And your boy pulled off the ring. I needed a couple of steals from Freddie to help put me over the top, and that's exactly what happened. He got three steals there, helped uh, lock up that category, while Jaron Jackson ended up with five blocks. So really, that that was the only like kind of iffy part of my uh, part of my week, but otherwise it was looking pretty good. So five three solid win, eight cat, fourteen teaming, and uh, sixth championship in twelve years. So can't say I'm too unhappy about that. Uh, <laughs> now I was gonna say I'm in I'm in a big uh, I'm in a big like money league final this week as well so hoping that uh, I can kind of carry my luck forward because this league decided to make their playoffs a week later which I absolutely hate at this point everyone starts resting but it is what it is that's true all right well let's uh, let's jump right into the DFS side of things though six game slate as we said with a couple of interesting matchups coming up here with the first one being. Boston going into Washington to take on the Wizards. Now, it is the uh, night before, so it looks like we've got the totals and spreads for about three out of the six matchups yet. This not being one of them, unfortunately. As far as injuries, though, are concerned, it's looking pretty good as far as Boston is going. No, uh, no real concerns there. But the Washington side of things continues to be kind of up in the air. Both Beal and Kuzma have once again been ruled out, which does give us you know, a couple of interesting options that we are going to be talking about their side. You know, we just got to see the Washington Wizards come into Toronto on Sunday. We saw what their rotation looks like with both Beal and Kuzma out and the fact that they got whooped by 16. But, hey, it is what it is. But I'll let you start with this one here, Ramiz. Boston, Washington, who are you looking at for this matchup? Uh, honestly, on the Boston side of things, I, I kind of kept quiet. Obviously, Tatum on the six-game slate is very interesting. But I decided to spend my money a bit more on some other players. On the Wizards side of things, I have interest with uh, two players who I feel like are very common between a lot of people who are going to look at this slate, especially this game. And that's uh, Corey Kispert at 5,000 and uh, Denny Avdi at 6,500. I think these are two players who have been able to blossom with the absence of uh, Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma and just getting shots. Especially in Denny Avdia. I mean, Denny Avdia is finally shooting more than 10 shots, which is something amazing to see. And obviously, this is a tough matchup in Boston. So they obviously have great perimeter defenders, uh, great paint defense with Rob Williams and Al Hofer. So it is a tougher matchup. But I think uh, Corey Kisper at 5,000 is someone you're willing to take that risk uh, because of the upside you can bring with that value. And in Denny Avdia's case, uh, he's a player who can impact the game in multiple ways. So even if his shot's not hitting, you can expect a few assists, a few rebounds. And because he is a really great defender, uh, he will be playing a majority of minutes to guard the Browns and the Tatums for Boston. 
Oh, that's completely fair. Well, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with you as far as Abdi is concerned, although I was going to throw my hat in the ring for DeLon Wright as well, who, even though he only put up five points in that Raptors game as well, still was able to get near 30 DK points because of the fact that he can just rack up kind of a sneaky amount of rebounds for how many minutes he plays, and then he's obviously going to be a key facilitator for them. So that like low-end triple-double is always kind of in the mix with how DeLon plays his game, so not a bad shout for someone below 6,000. While on the Boston side, I'm really sticking with my guns as I always do. Uh, from a cash game perspective, Marcus Smart is always, always in play for his uh, price tag being under 6,000. He just has such a safe floor for how many uh, for how many minutes he ends up playing, and he always just seems to find a way to be somewhere near 30 DK points pretty much on a nightly basis. Now, if he has a bad night, he usually ends up still with low to mid 20. So really not much to worry about from his production. It's all about whether Washington can keep the game close, playing at home. Maybe they can be a bit peskier, but obviously that is in and of itself a risk there. While Derek White just continues to be a monster. Like it's just the three straight games now where he's had 40 plus DK points. And his price tag steadily rising with it. But I do think that he's going to continue to be that stat-stuffing beast for the Boston Celtics, especially if, you know, initially that game starts to kind of go away. You see that Derek White will still kind of get his minutes. Blowouts have been, you know, a little bit of a uh, safe haven for him. We've had a couple of games where, you know, Boston has won big. Like we're talking Indiana by 25 points, Sacramento by 23 points, and he still played 38 minutes in each of those games as well. So it's clear that... uh, you know, Boston doesn't have all of that many just like pure guards that they want to throw out there or they trust. Derek White has clearly earned his uh, spot in the rotation there. And 6700 is still a pretty safe kind of floor for how uh, how much usage he is getting at this point with that Boston Celtics rotation. Moving on to the fun one of the night, personally speaking, Kyle Lowry coming back to Toronto again. That's always a big Fun, fun night for the Raptors and their fans, and it's down to be a celebration like it always is. But Miami coming into Toronto, a 219 total for this one. So, as always, a defensive-minded bit of a gritty game over there with the Raptors favored to win by two and a half. So, bit of a bit of a toss-up in terms of how things actually go. But funny enough, as far as injuries are concerned, Lowry himself is listed questionable for this game. But I'm going to go ahead and say that this boy is going to find a way to play. Even if he's not playing extended minutes, he's going to get himself on the floor. So I expect Miami to be all systems go. While on the Toronto side, it's really just about whether Gary Trent is able to get himself onto the floor. He is questionable for this game with his ongoing elbow concern. But considering Will Barton limped off in the last game after like a minute, he just... I don't even know what happened. I was watching it. I didn't really see him twist his ankle or anything, but apparently that's what the what the issue is. He couldn't put that much weight on it, and he is doubtful for this game. So probably will need Gary Trent to be on the floor if we need at least some sort of uh, guard backup play. But uh, I'll let you start with this one. Obviously, a home matchup is always fun to watch, but you know, a bit of a gritty game. Who are you really targeting in this one? Uh, I'll start off with the Raptors, and I'll start off with uh, Scotty at 6200. Uh, I mean, like you said, this is with the over and under being at 219. I think we both know it's going to be a one of those gritty, uh, not a fan favorite matchup in terms of high scoring game. But uh, I think Scotty's a great pick at 6200 because I think he's a player who will easily be able to try to get his value up because uh, he can get you assists, rebounds, and he's a guy who I'm not really worried about. Being uh, getting a really great point night, but he can impact the game in multiple other ways. 
I also have some budget player and uh, someone you kind of uh, you didn't mention it, but you mentioned the absence of Will Barn and possibly Gary Trent Jr. I think Jeff Doughton at 3,200 is a guy who has been getting a lot more minutes, and uh, he's kind of been on Nick Nurse's good list so far. So that's a good thing to see. As long as he remains on that, he'll get a bunch of minutes. And if those two guards remain to be absent, I think uh, Jeff Doughton will definitely see some minutes, especially because he have a bunch of guards, and I think he's a pretty good defender. So. I think Jeff Doughton at 3,200 is really good. And on the Heat side of things, uh, you know there's always that one player that tends to kill the Raptors, and I think I think you already know who I'm going to say, but it's not Duncan Robson. It's actually Max Struess at 4,400, who I think uh, always just gives the Raptors a hard time. And uh, obviously he's one of those players who, obviously he could have a horrible night for all we know, but he's also one of those players who is known for having an amazing night against the Raptors. And uh, at 4,400, I think you're willing to take that upside. Especially if you want to go for those higher up players, I think Max Schroes is going to possibly be a Raptors killer tomorrow night. <laughs> I hope not, but no, I'm right there with you. Uh, Max Schroes has consistently been a guy not only getting you know 30 plus minutes for the vast majority of the last two weeks, which is obviously great from a uh, opportunity standpoint. But as you said, he's just a guy who happens to get a lot of opportunities from Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero kind of breaking the defense down, often there in the corner to take advantage of the broken down play. So I, I don't mind him for 4,400 at all. I think he'll get enough shots to be able to get his value. And then it's really just all about whether the rest of it will work. And like I said, I'm still kind of sneakily waiting on the Kyle Lowry news because 4,300, I like him, man. I like him to be able to have a good game in Toronto. And he's shown he's already done it earlier in the season. That half like 24 DK points average that he has is actually dragged down by like one bad game that he had, but otherwise he'd been pretty, uh, pretty regular in the thirties as far as that was concerned, even though his minutes are down from him kind of being more of a bench guy. Now I just, uh, you know, one of those like last gasp ones for the year before he uh, goes ahead and chills for the playoffs. So it'll be one of those nights as far as I am concerned there, I'm right there with you on Scotty Barnes. And I am also going to go ahead and throw out that. I expect that OG is also going to be, coming out to another kind of offensive party in this game. Not necessarily that he's going to have, you know, 50 DK points the way he had in the last game, but it's clear that they're really trying to force him, especially down low. He's initiating a lot more of that offense and Fred's finding him earlier and earlier, especially when they're trying to get off to a good offensive start in that first quarter, you'll often find he's the one who really kind of getting the Raptors going from there. So in a matchup where, I expect that his pace is going to be super important to try and keep kind of Jimmy Butler on his toes. Uh, 6,300 gives you a pretty kind of safe bet alongside Scotty for them to have uh, some pretty decent nights over there. Well, two out of six games down, third one being what could potentially be the highest scoring one of the night here. We've got the Cleveland Cavaliers going into Atlanta to take on the Hawks, a 234 game total for this one, which is at the moment uh, just under the highest from the uh, last game of the night, which we'll speak about later. But the Cleveland Cavaliers are favored to win on this away game by one and a half. So a bit of a coin toss on who the uh, who the betting line is thinking is going to be successful for this game. As far as injuries are concerned, uh, Jared Allen is questionable for this game. He did play on March 26th and played a full 36 minutes on that one, which was uh, pretty interesting to me given how the uh, game itself turned out. But he is uh, questionable for this game with his uh, right groin strain, so we'll see if he gets on the floor. While on the Atlanta side of things, where all systems go after uh, DeJounte Murray found himself back on the floor as normal for the last uh, last two games that they have played now. But I'll, I'll jump in on this one first and foremost. Uh, 
Cleveland-Atlanta, always an offensively-minded game. Very little defense to be played. And if there's anything you know, attack Trey Young. Trey Young on defense is about as much of a turnstile as you can get. For as great as he is on the other side when he's not having you know, his off nights, which have unfortunately been a little bit more common this year than I would like them to be. But that being said... I do like the guard options here on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Both Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are in play for me. I do think that I am willing to spend up that little bit more for our Donovan Mitchell in this game. Uh, he's not only had two excellent games against the Cleveland against the Atlanta Hawks already this season, uh, just a little over 40 DK points in both of those, but he's starting to get some of his shot efficiency back to the levels that we were expecting. We saw in February that he was really struggling with his shot, sitting at about kind of low 40s as far as his field goal percentage is concerned. But that's starting to get back into the high 40s for the last couple of games now. And more importantly, he's also getting his three-point volume back up, having hit at least three threes in all three of his last games and shooting about 50% from the three-point line in that time. So all of it, pretty good spot. I do think that assist number needs to kind of start to go back up to his uh, season averages. He was sitting at about five for the vast majority of the season, but he's kind of been three or below for each of his last uh, six games. So I'm hoping he can be a little bit more of a facilitator alongside being, you know, that much more offensively minded in a match that's going to have that much more pace behind it. So Donovan Mitchell, one of my favorite guards on this side, while on the Atlanta side of things, I'm actually looking more at kind of that mid-tier options to try and kind of bring up what could be a, uh, a Cleveland team that you don't want to go in the paint on. So as much as you know, Trey Young likes to attack, DeJounte Murray likes to slash, I think the beneficiaries of this are going to be those perimeter guys that are going to have an opportunity to shoot that little bit more. And I'm still kind of on with, uh, with Bogdan Bogdanovich, waiting for him to have that kind of game that Honestly, he should be. He's getting enough shots up. He's getting enough three-point attempts up. His just efficiency hasn't been at the level that we expect. And I think on a dart throw for 4,800 in a GPP lineup is uh, an interesting spot to be able to kind of look at him. And I think you could do the same thing for a John Collins in this matchup as well. It's just one of those, I said, has been a bit down on his side as far as his offensive production is concerned. But I think he'll get a little bit more room to operate because he has that mid-range game. He won't have to go in on a combination of either Jared Allen or Evan Mobley. You can try to drag him out a little bit more, get a little bit more of a shot going, and hopefully with that depressed price tag, pay off good dividends. Uh, well, starting off with the Cavs, I'm with you 100% on Garland. Uh, Garland at 7400 I think, is a really good price tag, and I think he's a guy who you can fit into multiple slates, uh, depending on how much you build. And uh, on the Hawks side of things, I went with DeJounte Murray at 7600 uh, this is like you mentioned a high scoring game. I think Dejounte Murray is going to be having a hand in it to play, uh, especially because, like you said, Trey Young is not a good defender. So Dejounte Murray is definitely going to have to pick up some slack. And obviously, uh, you know, you're hoping he can kind of guess a few steals like he's always been able to do and just kind of do his thing. And at 7600, I do think it's a pretty solid price in terms of the games that he's had before against the Cavs and the games that he can have uh, just a lot, just based off his skill and his play. And I think 7600 is a pretty good price. And, uh, I, you know, someone someone else has been calling my name. I think it's about time I go for him, right? And as, uh, I know you're shaking your head already, but it's Sadiq Bey at 4100. I know you've been there in the past, but I used to <laughs> distance. And he used to let me down. But he's been having some stellar games these past few games. And uh, at 4100, I think it's a solid price. And, uh, like, uh, it is tough to go against Evan Mobley in the, the paint. 
he's been having some amazing performances. So I do think uh, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are going to have a lot of kickouts, and they're probably going to be a Bogdanovich, probably going to be perhaps a DeAndre Hunter. But I, I want Sadiq Bey because he's been having a, a pretty good few nights, been able to shoot the ball at a pretty decent uh, efficiency. Mm. And I, I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be on the uh, Sadiq Bey train, but you know what? I know you're on that train for the vast majority of the season. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll let you go down with it. It's, uh, it's coming to the end of the season. You know what? Just uh, just cleanse yourself of all what the Sadiq you- Bey. <laughs> all right. Well, that does bring us into the second half of the games, the 8 p.m. Eastern time tip off onwards. First one being the Charlotte Hornets going into Oklahoma for a matchup against the Thunder. And this one could be quite interesting because there are, is a lot of red that we have to potentially deal with over here. First of all, on the Charlotte side, we do know that Terry Rozier has been ruled out for this game. Gordon Hayward is doubtful for this game, so I'm going to go ahead and say that he's also unlikely to be able to play, while Kelly Oubre is also questionable with his shoulder. And the other side of things, which is going to be of interest, Mark Williams, who him and uh, Nick Richards seem to be kind of you see they're like taking one game off with each other. Either one plays, the other doesn't. So it looks like this is going to be Mark Williams' turn to be able to go ahead and sit out. So as we expect, the other one is going to be in play. But on the OKC side, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is questionable for this game with a left ankle sprain. And, you know, he did finish off that Portland game over there, but it looks like he was having, you know, a little bit of trouble kind of putting weight onto the ankle. And frankly, at this point, I don't think OKC need him to be able to beat the Charlotte Hornets. And as much as OKC is obviously pushing for that play-in spot over there, I wouldn't be surprised if they take this a little bit easy, given the fact that this is a first half of a back-to-back for uh, Oklahoma. So let's see how that ends up going. But I'll let you start with this one. Who are you liking from this matchup? Probably high-octane offense, very little defense. Uh, I mean, you already mentioned one guy who I think is going to be on everybody's slate is uh, Nick Richards at 4700. I think DraftKings might have forgotten to up his price because with Mark Williams out, I think that's a must-play. I mean, 4700, he's going to be starting center. They're tanking. He's going to play around 30 minutes unless, of course, Kai Jones has a masterpiece, which he hasn't had in, uh, at all in terms of this season. Uh, but I also chose uh, Theo Bowden as another budget guy in 3900. Uh, they are missing some bodies in Dennis Smith Jr. He is priced at 7000 and I don't think he's been a consistent uh, top-tier point guard for Charlotte. So I think Theo Bowden, if he has a great night, I think he can easily swoop in about 20 to 25 minutes and have a, a great game. And on the third side of things, uh, I went with Jalen Williams. Uh, obviously, with Shea uh, being questionable, I think if Shea plays, if he doesn't play, I think Jalen Williams is still going to have a stellar night because this is Charlotte for... You know, not a really great defensive team. And I think uh, uh, Jalen Williams, who has been having a really great end of the season, uh, obviously he's had a couple of bad games. I think the one was against the Raptors, which I was actually there to see. But the Raptors are kind of an exception because they have a lot of forwards. So uh, I do think Jalen Williams at 700 is a good price. And I also got Isaiah Joe at 4,400. Uh, basically, you said a high-scoring game. I think uh, someone's going to launch a lot of threes. It's going to be Isaiah Joe and 4,400. I always like his price because... He's one of those guys who can really have a really great night, and especially with Shea's absence, I think he's a really great play. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, Nick Richards, 100%, putting the stamp of approval on that one. That's a free square that you probably just have to take. Even if he has a bad game, he's probably still looking at a low-end double-double. So no need to worry about his price tag being something. 
I do still continue to like PJ Washington just in general. I've, I've taken him for the last uh, two slates pretty heavily. Both of those Dallas games, he absolutely killed it for his price. And just putting up 22 shots a game, I don't see why that changes in this kind of a, a matchup here as well. Uh, just given the fact that not only are they down a major point guard, but they're also down only really one major rebounder. He pretty much gets all of those kind of free uh, free opportunities to be able to go ahead and rack up some of those stats. So he put up a double-double rebound-wise in the last game, uh, even got six rebounds in the game before that, and has sneakily been doing pretty well as far as his stocks are concerned, averaging between two to three kind of combined blocks and steals for the good part of the last you know, two weeks at this point. So, you know, 7,800, definitely a, a pretty uh, significant jump as far as his price is concerned. But we've been talking about a lot of these mid-tier guys, and Frankly, I'm going to be finding myself spending on a lot of that. It's where my lineups have really been uh, leaning towards rather than worrying about those like super stud spend ups like a Tatum or or some other ones that we will uh, speak about before the slate is done. So I do like him for that. And then on the OKC side, 100% there with you on Jalen Williams and Isaiah Joe. I think both of them are in a good position there. And where I am actually looking, we knew that Alexei Pokashevsky was available for that last game. He didn't play. But they are trying to get him back into the lineup here, and there is a good chance that he's going to get the opportunity to be able to play uh, you know, a couple of minutes on, on this one here. And he's all the way down to 3,700. So if I hear even an inkling that he is not having any like restrictions necessarily to him, or if he's getting the opportunity to start, I am I'm plugging that in. So that's where that uh, injury report and the live injury list comes in. I know I didn't get the chance to speak about it today, but sportsethos.com and DFS Pass that live injury report is going to be super key in this kind of a matchup here because if you can get full minutes Pokushevsky at 3,700, that is a lineup changer potentially. So keep an eye out on how things kind of work out from there. You're going for like a 40 chess play, man. Yeah, exactly. He's got to be you got to be thinking ahead on these things, man. You never know. You know where I always remember this is because I very vividly remember TJ McConnell's rookie year. And it was this one game. I used to play a lot of FanDuel back at that time. And there's, you know, those who played will know some of the OGs like Condia and those guys that were there. And I just very vividly remember looking at a couple of guys, Linus, where TJ McConnell came in and he was completely like off my radar. And he ended up dropping like for minimum price, like 43 DK points on that night. And I'm just like, okay, never again am I ever going to like overlook any of these potential value plays that could come into play. So yeah, Pogoshevsky is absolutely in play for me, and I'm kind of keeping an eye out on what the lineups look like. Second last game of the night, Orlando Magic going into Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. And as far as injuries are concerned for this one, while Orlando's good to go, John Morant is doubtful for this game with some soreness in his right thigh, hopefully not because a gun was weighing it down. <laughs> John Rand is not going to play for this one and so he's likely going to be uh, sitting out it is a uh, Tuesday Wednesday kind of back-to-back for them so it's it makes sense that they might be taking uh, that easy as well so everyone's favorite point guard is absolutely going to be in play and I'll let you uh, jump in and tell us about what you like in this matchup uh, I mean, yeah, Tyus Jones. I mean, this kind of feels like a, a the Mark Williams and Nick Richards situation. With Mark Williams out, you go with Nick Richards, and with John Rand out, you go with Tyus Jones at 5,400. I think another player uh, DraftKings forgot to increase their price on, and uh, actually 5,300. Pardon me. So uh, he's a guy who's just going to be able to easily get his value, and uh, 
honestly, if he if you he can probably even have a much more stellar night. He, there's games. There's been times where he's been able to get you 50 DK fantasy points based off just doing his things, right? Assist, uh, scoring the ball, shooting it, and uh, just doing what he does best, being a, a point guard. And on the Magic side of things, uh, I honestly the Magic have a lot of players that are above 6,000, which is I think a first. Uh, they've had been uh, they've been playing some pretty good basketball. I think they're like. Uh, 27 to 23 in the last 50 games, which is really good. Uh, and uh, I, I went with Franz Wagner. He had 6400. Uh, because this is a tougher game. Uh, you're playing Memphis at home, so Jared Jackson Jr. is gonna be a beast whenever he plays at home. So I don't know how much that plays into Paolo's game or Wendell Carter's game, but I think Franz Wagner's game I do like because uh, he's been having some great uh great games these past few uh weeks, and I do think he'll be able to continue it again against Memphis. Yeah, I agree. Franz Wagner has been one of my favorite mid-tier plays for a while now. And for me, it was just, look, he was weirdly passive for that month of February. And it's like, look, what's, what is going on here? Kind of get back to what's been so good for the vast majority of the season. And that's exactly what he has done pretty much since March has started. He's been averaging kind of close to 35 to 36 DK points on a night. And it's the rest of his stat line that's really starting to see a boost. He's become more of a facilitator, been averaging about six assists a game for this month, which has helped kind of bring up the fact that even though he's only really shooting anywhere between 11 to 12 times a night, he's still able to get a stat line that's well-rounded because he is a sneakily good thief of the ball. He's been averaging nearly two steals a game for this month itself, but he'll end up getting you, you know, five to six rebounds and that six assists to go with it. So it's just a very, very solid stat line. I think in cash, he's absolutely just a lock and he's giving you the upside as far as the GPP side of things are concerned as well. So definitely the play. And you already spoke about Tyus Jones, but I'm also going to put an advocate very reluctantly for the scrub, the villain of the NBA, but he's going to go ahead and put up that many shots. I hate taking him every time I do, but Every time I do, I, it's like a love-hate relationship because I find I get him on a decent night where he goes ahead and drops like mid-30s as far as DK points are concerned. So dude's going to play like 40 minutes in this game with uh, with John Morant out. And really, we've seen anytime that happens, he'll find his way to uh, you know go ahead and uh, be an annoyance. <laughs> but he'll get 30 DK points while being an annoyance. So 5,000, you can definitely go go worse with that. And uh, we also do see that in the games that uh, John Morant is out, David Roddy gets an opportunity to be able to kind of play more as well. And he's sitting all the way near minimum salary at 3,300. If he gets anywhere between that 23 to 26 minutes that he was while uh, John Morant was serving his suspension, we saw that he has the upside to be able to get to 30 as far as DK points are concerned as well. So another one of those uh, GPP dark throws that could end up being pretty good for you without that much downside, just given what his uh, salary is looking like. And, Likely one of those guys that ends up fitting into your lineup at the end because you're putting in all the mid-tier guys like I have been up until now. So let's see how things are looking from there. But last game of the night, Ramiz, the late night hammer. The New Orleans Pelicans going into Golden State to take on the Warriors. 235 game total for this one. So at the moment, the marginally highest of the night that I've seen so far. But... But the Golden State Warriors are favored to win by nine on this one. So that uh, blowout concern is definitely in play, though, as we always know, you just can't get yourself caught up on the game scripting side of things. I'm looking at the pace of play and I'm looking at potential opportunities to be able to take advantage of some of this value. But who are you seeing from a value perspective that you're targeting in this matchup? Oh, let's go first. All right. So starting off, I went with... uh... 
So my big player in this whole slate was uh, Brandon Ingram at 8,800. Uh, he's one guy who I've seen who is kind of, you kind of see that, I mean, this is, goes for a lot of teams. You kind of see the urgency between, especially in the Western Conference, the fact that every game is like really important because if you don't play up to par, you might end up being the 11th seed, which both of these teams, especially in this situation, have no intention of missing out on the playoffs. And I think Brandon Ingram has kind of turn, uh, turn, turned it up a notch. And uh, another player I went with was Herb Jones at 4,800. I actually had to go do some digging on some past matchups because I wanted to see uh, who was kind of playing the minutes, who was, you know, what type of ladders were being played. And uh, Larry Nance, Jonas Valanciunas, the other centers really don't really get a play in this type of matchup, which makes sense because you're going against Kavon Looney, Draymond Green, uh, sometimes even Kaminga at center. So I think Herb Jones is at 4,800. I think he's a player who's going to be able to stay on the court because with defense and uh, you're going to need him to kind of guard uh, the screen, be able to switch because... In a matchup with Poole, Clay, and Curry, where there's a lot of screens, you need to have switchability. And Herb Jones at 4,800, I think he'll be able to have a really great game and possibly, if this game is close, uh, close out the game too in the closing lineup. And on the Warriors side of things, I went with Jordan Poole at 5,900. Uh, Jordan Poole has had a really great games uh, against, I believe, Philly and I can't remember the last one, uh, but they were a really good game. And, uh, this is another home game, so I. Poole is one of those players, if you look at his home stats and away stats, you definitely there is a bit of a difference when he plays at home because he's just much more comfortable. And he's kind of getting into his groove. You know, he hasn't been playing really good this season, of course, after all the praise he got last season, especially in the playoffs. And uh, I think he's finally been able to get into rhythm at the right time, especially. And at 5,900, I think it's a really great price. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jordan Poole was the guy that I kind of circled heavily for this matchup over here, just as you said, given the fact that it's a home matchup. It's a fast-paced matchup, and Jordan Poole is definitely picking it up over the last uh, two games where he shot over 50% of the field, and both of them average over 40 DK points in that time. And, yeah, the, the Poole party is definitely having that late surge, that last little uh, turn in the, in the uh, slide before they go ahead and get into the playoffs. So, as you said, man, the, the West is the West is ridiculous. From fourth seed all the way to 12th seed, it's a four-game difference. So you just... I have absolutely no idea what uh, what things are going to kind of turn out over there. And every team is really doing their best. We saw uh, Minnesota just go ahead and pull off a crazy win against Golden State in that one where Cat hit the game-winning three. Sick game, by the way. And I'm very excited that Minnesota is back uh, fully healthy now And because I do think that they have the capability to be able to make some noise. But that's for a, a different different podcast for us to talk about. But as far as value is concerned... I'm actually going to be a little bit uh, contrarian on here. I think JV is going to get an opportunity to be able to dominate this game. It's He's just been too good for the last little while, and he's done it in matchups against traditionally you know, faster-paced teams. Let's throw it out here. San Antonio, not really a team that's putting out centers out there, still put up 45 DK points. Houston, all stretch uh, bigs to be able to throw out there, and he's putting up 45 DK points in that one, both of those matchups. While the Charlotte, Hornets, the Clippers... Again, like to go small ball, don't play Zubats that many minutes, for instance, as far as the Clippers are concerned. And even Charlotte, they've just been kind of eking it out there. I mean, both uh, Nick both, uh, Nick Richards and Mark Williams aren't necessarily like huge guys over there. They have the capability to be able to be, you know, bodies. But yeah, look, I, I'm going to ride the JV train until it lets me down. This might be the night he finally does it. And I've, I've spoken about a couple of other centers that I've that I've obviously liked on here. You know, P.J. Washington having that center eligibility is probably going to be what uh, pushes it over the edge. But 
if I want to be a little contrarian, I might actually end up taking JV alongside the obvious pick of uh, of Nick Richards that we spoke out there, just to be able to see what he can do for me on a late night game. So that's my uh, that's my gamble. <laughs> we'll see how that ends up working out there. But uh, right there with you on the uh, on the pick as far as Herb Jones was concerned. Although I am going to throw my hat in there for another one of those mid tier guys that has been on an absolute tear, which is Trey Murphy the third. If you've taken a look at his last really 10 games, he's been not only putting up anywhere between 10 to 14 three-point attempts a game, but he's been hitting them at some crazy efficiency rates. Like we're talking he's shooting like 58% for the entire month so far as far as uh, his shooting is concerned. So obviously you're really, you're really hoping for kind of that to be driving everything else, and 6100 isn't necessarily the sexiest price tag to be able to uh, put out for someone like that. But for a late night game, and if things are kind of working out for the rest of my lineup, he has that small forward shooting guard eligibility. I might end up uh, sliding him in some of those to be able to be a little bit of a kind of hedge between the obvious picks of you know, the ones we've talked about, Danny Abdia, Scotty Barnes. All those guys are going to be super in play. Same with Franz Wagner. But I think he could be one of those that uh, kind of sneaks himself into fantasy uh, fantasy relevance for this matchup as well. So you got an interesting lineup. You got Hooks uh, yeah. and Jonas Valanciunas on one slate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, hey, well, I love JV, so I'm not going to – Brooks, I have a personal vendetta for. Like my friends have basically told me that if Memphis ends up winning a series in the playoffs, <laughs> I'm, they're all going to buy me a big Dylan Brooks jersey. And all that means is it's going to be a free bonfire that night because that's all that's going to happen. I'm burning that jersey if it shows up. But he is from – our hometown, so that always ends up being that like other side of it. Still, he sucks. I hate Dylan Brooks. But that does bring us to the end of what should be a fun slate, a Tuesday night to be able to look at near the end of March. We're getting really close to that playoff time, so every team is going to be doing everything they can to either solidify their tank or to really push themselves into a potential playoff position. But as always, you can catch me on Twitter position at HJK underscore devil, where you can go ahead and look at what we are looking there. And of course, I know you were looking at it. We're also going to be finding about Thrive Fantasy because I was going to get you to talk to me about that first. Because there's a couple of matchups and a couple of guys that were kind of jumping on my side over here. But you know what? Ramiz, get me started. Talk to me about Thrive Fantasy. Who are you liking on this one? All right, so I got three picks. Uh, I'll give you one right now. Uh, I won't, so the safe one I got right now is uh, Bam getting over one and a half total blocks and steals, which is just you getting 95 points. I think it's a really safe option, especially when you're going against the Raptors team who, with Siakam, with Scotty, with Precious, Coloco, Jacopo, there's going to be a lot of paints, a lot of uh, layups, shots in the paint, and Bam should have the, you know, the opportunity to get some blocks in those games. Do you have any other picks? Yeah, I like it. Uh, the the pick that I'm looking at here is uh, kind of staying on brand with me hoping for a good pool party. Actually, <laughs> it comes down to his over 24 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. If I'm banking on him uh, having one of those good shooting nights as he had, he can get close to that 24 and a half just in points alone. So it really just uh, hopes that he can kind of keep up what has been a pretty decent assist run for him to get to that 105 points for that one. All right. So my other pick was so yeah. One of my other picks was Jordan Poole, like you said, over 24 and a half total points, rebounds, and assists. And my third and final pick was uh, Franz Wagner at 
over eight and a half total rebounds and assists at 105 points. You know, this is going based off what I said in fantasy. I think uh, eight and a half total rebounds and assists. Like you say, he's been averaging around six assists in the month. And uh, being, him being six foot nine, six foot ten, I don't think getting a few rebounds shouldn't be an issue for him. And yet you're getting over 105 points. I think it's an easy uh, over. Fair enough. And well, my last uh, over that I'm looking at over here, and this is a bit of a an easier one as far as I'm concerned. It's uh, Pascal Siakam at nine and a half rebounds and assists over for 85 points over there. Again, you want something solid to be able to build your lineup. Siakam has been uh, putting up pretty decent rebounding numbers for the entire month of March up until now. And with the amount of double doubles he's got, I think it's uh, five in the last six games, if I'm not mistaken. So just a nice uh, opportunity for him to kind of continue up with that. And even though his shooting hasn't necessarily been up to the mark as far as Miami matchup is concerned he is averaging nearly nine rebounds in that matchup alone so I think that's a that's a fair one to be able to go ahead and start your lineup with and see some of the other juicier options there but I gave up my Twitter Ramiz where can people find you before we head out for the night uh yeah so they can also find me at Twitter at two nice that'll be spelled t-o-0 underscore nice underscore Perfect. Well, we're going to see who's going to be too nice with it on this matchup over here. But as always, keep yourself engaged. Get yourself onto sportsethos.com and subscribe to that DFS pass. Not only, as always, does it get you access to all of the wonderful content that our team puts up, the DFS delivery, all the other articles and information that's there, but you can also get access to our live injury report. And of course, you get onto our Discord where you get to ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock. Really talking about what the injuries are looking like, whether my uh, Pokushevsky dart throw is going to be something magical on this given night. I'm, I'm definitely going to be like eagle eye following that now that I've put it out into the universe. But until then, we will keep going on this one and let's go ahead and kill some GPPs. We'll catch you on the next slate.